Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. If you've been with us for any amount of time, there's three things you already know. First, considering our natural-born level of idiocy, it's a miracle that we can successfully manage a weekly podcast, let alone hold down day jobs and have families who haven't killed us in our sleep yet. Second, if there's a way to connect a topic to professional wrestling, we will certainly do so and do it with the vigor of a student trying to cram a week's worth of studying into 10 minutes before a test. And third, we love uh, some geeky sci-fi action, so we're going to take another one of our guilty pleasures from the Netflix universe in this episode 88, Get Another Life. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who is our only hope of someday staving off an alien invasion. If that invasion consists of sentient, ill-tempered T-bone steaks, he has been my partner in idiocy for over two decades and a grand admiral in the free-range idiocy galactic fleet. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I am doing pretty well. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing well. Doing very well. Gr- grand admiral, when when did I have the promotion? Uh, I believe last week. You missed the memo? <laughs> I believe I did. Patrick probably did not uh, you know, fax it to me. Uh, facts. What? My God! What are you like? This is this the '90s or something? No, it's not me. It's him. It just he seems to try to you know send things that way. And I keep trying to tell him about the email, and he doesn't really want to. You know, I don't know. Just well, part of the problem is we don't have a fax machine, so I'm not sure exactly how he's doing that. <laughs> oh gosh! I just imagine. You know what? I imagine. I imagine he's sitting there with a typewriter, just stuffing the paper in and rolling it through. <laughs> That's probably what it is. Oh, good lord. I'll have to ask him about that later. Right now, he's out getting me more seltzer, so we'll oh, see. What go. we'll see. I have a blessed reprieve from Patrick. Nice. I didn't realize how serendipitous that intro would be, considering that you've spent the last few days uh, trying to help your boy with his uh, with his school project. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, <sighs> anyways, well, Joys this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Tell me about it, dude. If if I had a nickel for every time, it's like. Oh, I got this project I've got to do. How long have you known about this? And you get that silence. You're like, mm-hmm, I know exactly what that silence means. <laughs> I've, I have given that silence to my parents before, too. Yes. That means there's been at least a week of lead time. And here we are the night before. And it's time to scramble. The circle is now complete. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the student has now become the teacher. <laughs> Or something. I don't know. I don't know. But we are going to be talking about our... uh, uh, Oh, my gosh. I am stumbling, bumbling, and fumbling all over the place. Y'all should should have heard me trying to get through the the intro this week. I know I'm going to edit it up all real pretty for you, but man, let me tell you, it was a journey. (laughs) 
Uh, at least I wasn't choking on my own spit, though, so I'm taking that as a win. That so, is an improvement, yes. Before we get into talking about and, uh, and another life, I'm, I, again, once again, I have no idea what the hell. We take one week off, and my brain is just complete mush. Oh, Who are my. you? Is this episode one? What? I don't know. My, I, I, I'm like sweating now. I'm, I feel like I'm, you know what? I'm probably having a bad reaction to the gummy bears I ate last night. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Red dye number five is like strangling my brain. Oh, oh, boy. All right. Anyways, before we get into whatever the heck it is that we're going to talk about, I'm going to hand it over to Tim because apparently I can't speak. What do we got for the Week of Geek? Uh, we have uh, a few items here, my friend. Uh, first and foremost, probably much to your enjoyment and to my chagrin, uh, we have the wrap-up of our Fantasy Football 2021 campaign. Oh, uh, last praise. time we'll be discussing praise. Oh, Lord, Fantasy Football you. until August when Uncle Todd will once again join with me and dive into our league to once again contest and understand who the greatest idiot is and who would like to uh you know win the fake championship that is our fantasy league you know i i love how just how blind how like blisteringly optimistic you are <laughs> that that i would wade back into these piranha infested waters once again oh. there's no way no way there is no way that you could have come from my loins. There's no way that I will be back in fantasy football. Well, we shall see. But what we have to discuss is uh, this last, so about a week ago, uh, we were contesting our final uh, playoff uh, games. Uncle Todd was in a heated battle for third place. You were and contesting. I didn't even realize that I was in a game. I completely forgot there was a consolation game. Come on. <laughs> Trying to make this sound important. <laughs> oh no, it wasn't. I wasn't oh, contesting anything. I I gosh. lost that last game view, and I'm like, all right, screw it, I'm done. No idea I had another game. None whatsoever. Yeah, none. Ladies and gentlemen, I get the text from him about mid Sunday afternoon. <laughs> there was a game. What happened? <laughs> hey, you know what? I am brand loyal, if nothing else. <laughs> well, uh, so Uncle Todd was contesting for third place. Or at least his team was <laughs> present <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I was contesting. I, I was contesting in the same way that the Patriots were contesting <laughs> for a playoff spot back in the in the early '90s. <laughs> Technically present, but no chance in hell. Yes. Uh, I was contesting for our league championship. Uh, and how'd that go for second you? Second place team. Uh, not so hot. I had uh, two wide receivers who basically. Uh, turned out very poor performances which uh, led to a very less than stellar uh total point amount so i was at 184 and my opponent uh scored 231 points that is a 47 point loss uh so i i i can lay claim at least to second place but unfortunately after a season full of domination and uh taking people to the cleaners i uh, was taken to the cleaners myself now i want to point out that the the person who ended up winning the league, your your good friend Matt, my my acquaintance Matt. Uh, yes, yes. To say he's a Giants fan is <laughs> sort of like saying, <laughs> sort of like saying my cat is a fan of naps. Like it's the understatement of the century. Right. He is. He bleeds Giants blue. Uh huh. 
And considering your dominance this year, it immediately brings to mind the 2007 NFL season when the Patriots went, of course, roughshod over the NFL to the tune of 16-0 in the regular season, 18-0 leading up to the Super Bowl. The Giants were 10-6. Mm -hmm. You ran roughshod over the, over the league this year. Matt came into the game 9-5. Mm -hmm. Giants were 10-6 that year. Ended up taking down the starring team. I know. So... I don't know I, how you could have let this happen, sir. I, I tip my cap to him. Well, as I texted you Monday you evening. You tip your cap right after you flip him the bird. I tip my <laughs> cap. I, I am a sportsman, and I will uh, concede defeat and recognize when the better team wins. After as you I turn text, over three or four chairs in your, your living room. <laughs> well, s setting that aside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did text Uncle Todd Monday evening, uh, basically telling him once again the age old adage you can never trust a man with your fantasy team with the last name Chubb. And so uh, I Chubb really don't know that that's an age old adage, but well, I'll roll it, with it. it's an age old fantasy ad adage. Let's just say that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Nick Chubb was my last player to play, and uh, he he did not do well. The, the Browns apparently put on quite a performance on Monday Night Football, uh, as I've been informed of. I did not watch, uh, but yes. So uh, so yeah. So I uh, lost by forty-seven points, and in a bit of uh, you know just kind of poetry, if you will, uh, Uncle Todd lost his uh, match one thirty-seven. 183 that is a 46 point loss so the two of us uh from the free range idiocy podcast uh, seemingly going out uh in a blaze of glory so except for the fact that one of us was actually trying and the That's other one right. didn't even realize it was a game i lost by almost as much as you did you finished the way you started you finished the way you started the season you weren't paying attention to your team <laughs> Like oh, I said, man. Ram Oil. I just I love it though the fact that I managed to lose by one point less than you did, and I didn't even know that I had a game. Now actually, I, I haven't even looked at what my score was here. I just I'm kind of curious. Did did Dalvin Cook screw me again? And yes, of course he did. One more time. <laughs> one more time. A big. He was projected <laughs> for 37 points, and he scored 13. Oh. Yes. Thank Thank you, Dalvin. I really oh. appreciate it. You know what? It's It was nice knowing you. It was nice knowing you. <sighs> Not good. Not good. Well, to to uh, to that end, we, we bid our 2021 campaign adieu. It has oh, been thank God. a journey. It has been fun. And as I, uh, as I said at the beginning, Uncle Todd will join us next season. Oh, hell no. It's about as fun as having hemorrhoid surgery without <laughs> anesthesia. From a surgeon with no depth perception. Oh, That's oh, about how fun this gosh. year has been for me. Yes. Oh, boy. Just so there's another perspective. <sighs> All right. Next one. Uh, yes, sir. Th this is courtesy of comicbook.com, but also uh, supplied by Uncle Todd in his journeys across the interwebs. Uh, basically, Black Widow. Uh, apparently, uh, numbers coming out that the pirating of that movie may have cost Disney upwards of $600 million. Mm. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, well, the, the interesting thing about this, and, and it's interesting because I read a little bit of the article before I sent it to you, because I, I, quite frankly, I was like, eh, this would be interesting. But just the idea that, well, yeah, you had a very, you have an absolutely 
pristine, clean 4K version of this movie that could then be pirated and sent out into the world immediately after it dropped. So, I mean, yeah, you're kind of asking for it, but it'll be interesting how this going forward, this model, because I mean, I, I think that there's still some room for, you know, same day release in theaters and on and uh, streaming online. I think mm-hmm. it still will happen mm-hmm. because as we saw with HBO Max, they made out on this like HBO Max managed to raise their subscription level in a huge way by the fact that they had a lot of these movies coming out same day online as in theaters. Yeah. yeah. So it's worked out for some people. Now, the reason why you look at this and, oh my gosh, huge number and all it's but well, it's a Marvel movie because they all make a gazillion dollars when they come out. Yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, it's just the way it goes. So yeah, of course that's going to be, you know, a lot worse. It's going to be interesting to know how that ends up kind of influencing the way things go. Indeed. Yeah. And, I, and I seem to remember reading too, like with uh, the Matrix Resurrections, you know, coming out, you know, in the same way in theaters and on streaming that it, it also, you know, kind of quote unquote suffered from that, but also piracy, I, I seem to recall reading about as well, you know, kind of influencing things a bit. That one's a little different though, because, you know, it, it comes out, um, I mean, Spider-Man came out roughly around the same time and, and has been doing well, but was also not offered on streaming, but it, it was roughly around the time the you know the surge started and so you don't know how much that impacted things as well but it seems like it's a whole it's kind of a confluence of a few different things that kind of play into it but yeah i mean if if you if you have this ability to pirate these movies um you know the article doesn't go into how this was done it was just more about that there is the belief that it was uh pirated and by more than what does it say 20 million viewers which would so the estimation is they translate that into like 600 million dollars worth of of you know, revenue that, that was lost essentially, but you know, there's security, but I don't know how you kind of lock this stuff down. You know, what, what, like, like what are they not doing where it's getting pirated that way? Yeah. Marvel movies are such an outlier at this point. You really have to almost consider them as their own, not genre, mm-hmm. but their own level of movies yeah. at this point, yeah. because they make so much money. They cross over so many kind of dividing lines in terms of what audiences might go to because they're just a thing now. And I know that now that there's this whole other thing of like, oh, well, Marvel movies, blah, 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 blah. and people are starting to, you know, to kick back on them a little bit because like, oh, well, how come people are willing to go out to that? How come there aren't more, you know, go see these other movies? Like, well, you know, they don't want to see those other movies because those aren't worth going to the theater for. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, everyone's got their own reasons for doing stuff and all that, but it's such an outlier for this. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the Matrix Resurrections, part of the reason why, you know, you could say, ah, that didn't do big business. It's like 20 years after the freaking movie that you're sequelizing. It was, it was not, this movie to me was not going to be a blockbuster, not unless they managed to do like knock this out of the park to the nth degree. And even then, I think it's, it's so tough when you're, when you're having a sequel come out that far after, you know, not just the original movie, but after like the two sequels that followed it. That was, again, that's a whole other thing. Like the, the, the Matrix was a complete outlier with itself. Right. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this affects things. I think there's still room for that as a model for like stuff coming out online the same day as it's in the theaters, especially with the way, you know, COVID seems to be uh, not going away, <laughs> to no, say the least. But, um, no, but it's interesting. It's an interesting bit of trivia. And of course, you know, following up more on the, uh, you know, Mickey Momo, ScarJo fracas which you know again we get to bring that in 
but you know, ScarJo got hers. So yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Of course, the lesson here is don't pirate. <laughs> which is all which is hilarious because you remember you remember how they had those anti-piracy, you know, little vignettes before every every movie that you would go see. Actually, oh, yeah. I think, was it in the theaters or was it just on DVDs that they had those? Uh, I, primarily, I think DVDs. Yeah. And then they found out that the music that they used for that, they didn't pay for. So they actually pirated music to put in their anti-pirate commercial. Oh, gosh. Remember that? No, I didn't. Pepperidge Farms remembers. I remember. And you know what? It's like, yeah, because Hollywood, you just can't quite go. You just can't help yourself. You can't help yourself from just being dumb. Oh, boy. Anyways. Yeah. It's just funny things. Funny things. It is. It is. And our next item, uh, because you know you wanted to hear more about this, uh, uh, sadly and unfortunately. What's been Uh, going on in the world of Vince lately? Oh, well, shockingly. What is is Vince's head in a jar doing this week? (laughs) Not hiring people, I'll say that much. (laughs) Oh, really? You don't say. Shocking. Are more people being future endeavored as we speak? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, and yes, and uh, mostly around the uh, the, the NXT um, promotion. Uh, basically, uh, this past week, uh, let's see, longtime general manager William Regal, uh, one of the uh, road agents, uh, Brian Road Dog James, he was a producer, and uh, and then several others, some uh, wrestlers, some coaches, and um, and and basically, the the common thread with them all um, is that they were all part of. Uh, the talent that that uh, that Paul Levesque, uh, Triple H brought in for um, basically uh, building NXT into what it was, uh, and and I think you know kind of attached to that too is in the idea that I think at some point if he was going to take over the main roster, that was going to be kind of the staff he was going to bring up with him. Um, clearly, things are changing there, um, and <laughs> I don't quite understand in what direction it's going in. Um, but it, it's just a really, uh, you know, just unfortunate situation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so a few folks let go. One of the ones that was really just odd to read about was, uh, uh I guess her name is, uh, Kathy Carino. She was known as, I think, Alice in Danger in the, in, in the indie circuit. Um, but, uh, and she's a sister of a, uh, wrestler, a popular independent wrestler. And he's now a producer, he was a producer at, uh, NXT Steve Carino, but, um, basically she had uprooted her whole family from like Vegas, moved to Florida, um, about three months ago and, uh, you know, for this job and basically was let go, um, just like out of the blue. So it's just, it's just weird. I, I, I really don't understand what they're doing over there. And it seems like they're trying to, turn NXT into a, let's just bring a bunch of athletes in, give them, you know, kind of shotgun them through the training, get them out there, try to build main event, you know, level, um, you know, entertainers, I'll, I'll use that term, uh, and uh, get them into the main roster as soon as possible. So, so basically what NXT has been all this time, which has basically been kind of a high level, you know, kind of independent wrestling sort of promotion is is going away in favor of it being more of a, factory of cranking out, you know, big muscular folks to go and try to be the next Brock Lesnar, I guess. So Hmm. very strange, very strange. Now, uh, didn't Samoa Joe also get fired for the second time? 
Yes, that that happened a couple days uh, after the William Regal firing. Um, I think a day or two after that, yeah, he was announced as well. So yeah, he's yeah. he's turning into like the WWE's Billy Martin. Like he seems to get. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to get rehired in six months, <sighs> just so they can fire him again. Yep. You know. Yep. I don't get it. The whole nothing, none of it makes sense. And I think that the reason for that is because none of us are in Vince's head. Thank God for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who knows what the heck is going on in there at this point? I imagine it's just old WWF yeah. <laughs> matches from 1987, yep. spiders and uh, weight training videos of himself. That's pretty much what I think is in there now. I, as, I, I really do. As I texted you a couple of days ago when we were kind of chatting about this, I, I really don't know what what how things are going to look in a couple of years. I don't mean to say a couple of years because, you know, Roman Reigns has has a you know, a few years still to go, you know, in, in the role he's in. And, uh, but AJ Styles, he's on the tail end of his career. Bobby Lashley, he's on the tail end of his career. Brock Lesnar, he's on the tail end of his career. I mean, when these guys start dropping off and just are not able to be the focal point or the, you run out of interesting matchups for them. I, I honestly don't know what they think they're going to put out there for a product because just ramrodding people through developmental and shoving them out there and, just expecting the fans to buy tickets and, and, and love it. I mean, it, it's going to start turning against them at some point. It just has to. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so weird because they, and you don't even have to wait that long. I mean, cause they're, they've already shown that they'll take some guys and they'll, and they do things right. Like I think that what they were doing with Bobby Lashley was great. Mm -hmm. I thought what they were doing with Big E was great. And you know what they did? They job out Big E yeah. And they've they've kind of jobbed out Bobby Lashley in a way because they're they're not they weren't allowing that character to really progress too much. They're just like, OK, now you're you're kind of in the in the scene now, but we're not going to let you continue to carry. Carry the belt and and kind of evolve a little bit and see if you see how that character develops. None of that. Just, OK, well, you had it and now you don't. Yep. And then yep. they did the same thing with the women. I mean, you, Bianca Belair got jobbed out to Becky Lynch ain't been the same since right after having a, a great match with um oh my Sasha gosh why, yeah i was gonna say i was uh, like mercedes i'm like no that's not her character but it, you know so after having a great uh wrestlemania match with sasha banks and gets jobbed out to becky lynch and now where is she she's kind of in the scene but the shine is off of her and and that's what the guy that's with someone here trying to establish and they don't do that right they right. just continue, and they and they did the same to uh, what's a Scottish guy, Drew McIntyre. Mm -hmm. Kind of did the same to him. He carried the belt for how long? And he carried the belt when there was no crowds. Yeah, like and he, now he, where he is carry he? them through? Yeah, I know, I know. He's, I mean, is he is he down to like jobber status now? I mean, it's it, no, it's, no. It's he, just he's, so bizarre how they the, what they do is because they don't give these, and actually, kind of the same with Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, yeah. She had the belt, and then. Now she doesn't, and now she's kind of doing uh, stuff, but they don't have any any way of keeping things somewhat interesting for people in the main event who don't actively have the belt. Right. And That's and why the, I say even, they just literally- Even the chasers aren't that interesting. So it's like, yeah. what are you doing? Right. I think what we need to do is we need to go fund me, and we're <laughs> going to get Uncle Corny, his oh, own national wrestling- uh, we're going to get him his own promotion and going to go head to head with AEW and Vince oh, and gosh. 
I mean, come on. What's the worst that could happen? Wouldn't you love to see? And you know what? We're not. We're gonna. We're just gonna make it. We're gonna just he have. Says something uh, woefully inappropriate. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because he's. I mean, that's like him breathing, though. I mean, my God, the the man, the man, the man, oh, like, loves wrestling, drinks Sprite, and says inappropriate things. That's it. Um, yeah, just let him run, run, uh, run a thing, and just let him be the commissioner and do goofy stuff and. I mean, why not? There's there's so much talent out there now that you could grab. I don't know. Well, anyways, one, it's it's bizarre. It one is thing, bizarre. What what one thing I'll say is as is basically a comparison point, and and I don't know if you had watched it because I I think I sent you the YouTube clip a few days ago. But like in AEW, not, you know, not that they're doing everything right or perfect, but to me, they're they're building stories. You know what I mean? Like they're they're actually putting the time into generating interest in matchups between characters and and really spending time on that development and and to me that's what makes matches interesting you know what i mean like it's not just getting you know lesnar brock lesnar is an amazing human to look at and and to see perform and throw people around but if there's no story behind it you know what i mean if if there's no like oomph behind it it's like what what does it mean and as an example you know this this for a month and a half now they've been building this feud with cm punk and this other character, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he's kind of like a, a Miz-like character. And they have just been amazing on the mic. I mean, just and, – and it's not just about ripping each other down. It's, it's, it's the way they go about doing it and, and the story they're telling while they're doing it. They haven't laid a finger on each other yet. And what I'm really interested to see is when they do eventually get to that point where they do fight one another – they will have built up so much tension and so much, there's going to be such a release when those two start going at it. I, I'm just excited to see what the fans end up doing because that to me is what made wrestling great. It's not like this thing where you get these, you know, big muscle freaks and throw them out there and, you know, just, just have them do violent power moves to, to wow the crowd. And that's it. You know what I mean? You, you've got to have something behind it. And that's where I feel like WWE has just lost their way a hundred percent. So um, so, you know, it's just get back to telling stories and, 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 you know, bring some guys in who, who can do that sort of thing. And I think in the, in the next few years is going to be very telling when they start to lose out on a lot of that talent because they're elsewhere. So. Yeah. And it's the same, it's, there's a lot of people out there who aren't huge AEW fans, which is fine. You know, I mean, sure. I can't say that I've seen much of the, much of this stuff except for like clips you sent me on YouTube. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't have, I don't have the Hulu and I don't have the cable. So yeah. I'm not watching this stuff live or anything, but from what I've seen, it's good. And, and even for all of its faults, even for all of the things that people have pointed out, it's a lot like being chased by a bear. You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just got to be faster than the person next to you. <laughs> You don't have to be as good as WWE. You just yeah. have to be less crappy than they are. Yes. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be not as bad as them. Right. And quite honestly, right now, that's not a very high bar. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, we've gone from like, I've I've actually was fairly interested for a little bit. And then just after a while, I'm like, you know, I got better things to do with my time yeah. <laughs> than this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I could, I could go – I could literally go watch – like the bottom 500 movies on, on IMDb and probably feel better about it than watching more pay-per-views. Oh, excuse me. Premium live events, um, from WWE. I could go and watch showgirls every night and oh, probably God. have a better artistic. Oh, well, actually, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a stretch, my friend. 
I, well, depends on the match. Oh, depends gosh. on the match. I'm just going to say that. Anywho. Oh, well, right, we've two out of three segments so far have been uh, been stuff that nobody gives a crap about except for us. So let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can bring some more folks in with this next one. This shall one we? will be quick because we talked about it. I think either last episode, I think it was last episode we we were discussing this. But um, I think our discussion basically caused a reverberation through the force uh, because a couple of days ago, an article came out about the new Battlestar Galactica series. Say and, what? Yeah, and 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 guess what? Um, there's oh, no, we have a cast. We have a cast. No, there's no cast. We have a we have a script. No, we have like a series bible. We have an overview of what the whole thing is going to be. No, it's all very secretive, apparently. Which means they got nothing. Well, here's here, <laughs> ladies here, and gentlemen. Let me translate that. Oh, we can't tell you yet. In other words, you got. <laughs> Or, or as I've told you before, zero times zero is still zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because this article was basically, uh, so I guess Simon Kinberg is writing and producing a project that is going to be a Battlestar Galactica movie. This oh, article is gosh. basically saying that the movie will be within the same universe as the TV show. And basically what he says about the show is, Sam in the show, I can't say too much about it other than there is synergy between the two enterprises and constant communication between us. To which I say zero times zero equals zero. <laughs> you know what that you know what that communication is? Oh. Hey Sam, can you believe that just writing us checks to do this? <laughs> I'll go Suckers. talk to com- I'll go talk to uh, comic book or Collider, I think is who did the interview. But yeah, Collider did the interview. And uh, oh, I'll go talk to gosh. them and, t- and drop a little uh, little something something there. Now, the thing is, what we need to do is we, we actually do need to have an episode about this because I feel like there is a there is some merit here. I think that what we would come up with within the span of about an hour and a half would be, is far more interesting than what will actually come about if it ever comes about. And I'm still on record as saying, I don't think this is ever going to happen. I think this is going to be one of those development quagmires and it'll just it, we are never going to see this, which I'm fine with. I am absolutely fine with it. I'll go back and watch my BSG DVDs and I will be a happy camper. Uh, but I, I, I think that there, is, there are some interesting things to talk about here. I think the idea of it being cyclical, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is the next evolution. We see things, you know, this is how it happened before and it'll happen again. And that, that's okay. I can, I can roll with some of that. I just don't, I don't know exactly how all of a sudden now we're saying, oh, we're going to reboot the series. Oh, and there's going to be a movie. Oh, and you, you don't, you've got nothing and you're going to, you're yep. going to do a movie now. Yep. And it's going to tie into this. Like, yep. How about you learn to tie your shoes first before you go out and try and run the Boston marathon? How about that? Better yet. How about you go and buy some shoes? Better yet, how about you actually get yourself up off the couch and go to the store to buy some shoes? I agree. Because that's where we're at right now. Zero Basically, the BSG. Zero yeah. equals zero. Yes. And you know what? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Love it. Love it every time we get these non-news stories because it means that they're they're that much closer to not doing it. Indeed. Indeed. And before we go, uh, we talked about starting uh, a little, a, a different kind of a contest. Now that fantasy football is on its way out, uh, we, we are going to, uh, as Uncle Todd coined the phrase, have our Red 5 Star Wars trivia 
First week of See, it. See, now you've decided that we're having a having this contest. I did not agree. This is all like fantasy football all over again. I've been dragged into something against my... I'm no, I, I said we were going to... I have been press ganged into this, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do a new segment where we do like five questions and we'll do them over the course of several episodes and see, you know, after a couple months, who's the Star Wars connoisseur between the two of us. Yeah, this is exactly like when, when my wife says, oh, well, we've decided that we're going... We, what? You got a mouse in your pocket or something? We didn't decide anything. Oh. And you know what we do? Whatever, quote unquote, we decided. Exactly. <laughs> because so that's the that only set. thing that's keeping me alive right now, folks. <laughs> oh, so with that said, uh, are you ready, sir? Oh, why not? Yeah. All right. Uh, let me see. I'm going to track of correct answers and incorrect answers oh, all right boy. first question uh and, and it did try to keep these you know somewhat uh within the realm of what we know all right because our first trial question last episode involved nostril counts and uncle todd did not fare well so first question uh what did obi-wan give to anakin mm. skywalker on anakin's 13th birthday a a new lightsaber B, a river stone, C, a crystal, or D, a seashell? Well, I'm going to guess it isn't lightsaber, because isn't that like a whole thing? Like, you've, you've got to build your own lightsaber? Isn't that like part of the Jedi thing? That would be correct. So, I'm going to guess it's not a crystal. You know what, screw it. I'm going to go with seashell. You're going to go with the seashell. I, I I have no clue, so why not go with the most absurd answer and see if I can at least get a chuckle out of this? All right. Uh, well, your reasoning, sir, was correct. Uh, it, it is not a new lightsaber. Um, I selected a river stone um, instead of a crystal or a seashell. And the answer is, as I look in the book, is B, a river stone. I was correct. Wow. Shocker. The guy with the book that has all the answers oh, got the right on, answer. come on, man. This, ladies and gentlemen, is rigged. This is it why is there's not nothing rigged. on the line. This is just to build oh. Timmy's self-esteem. And you know what? Fine. Whatever it works. All right. Whatever works. Question two with you with your whining. Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, this you is know, on I the can up- get Jimmy Dice on the next episode very quickly, sir. <laughs> Come on. All right, number two. Who Actually, shouted? Actually, who like Jimmy Dice is not going to be on the show. <laughs> he's like, nah, no. Well, you know, he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> so he says. All right. Who shouted, then he's not dead, when clone troopers said they couldn't find Yoda in the Senate chamber? A, Moss Ameda. I actually don't know who that is. B, Sly Moore. C, Emperor Palpatine, or D, Darth Vader? Who shouted, then he's not dead, when clone troopers said they couldn't find Yoda in the Senate chamber? You know, I'm just going to say Sly more because I just, <laughs> I want that to be a thing. I have no clue. I know, I know it's not Darth Vader. Definitely not Darth Vader. And it's, I mean, it probably is Palpatine, but you know what? I'm going to go with Sly more. You're going to go with Sly who do you got? You're saying uh, Palpatine, I, right? I selected Palpatine. Uh, let me see. 
I love that you're you're pretending to go and look at the answers. I am. That, I'm looking at the. I did not look at the answers ahead of time. Uh huh. Sure. Okay. Is Mas Ameda? I got it wrong. Mas Ameda. What a crap is Mas Ameda? All right. So let me look this up real quick. It sounds like a kitchen appliance. <laughs> The Masameda 5000. It slices, it dices, it'll cut your freaking finger off. Ah, uh, okay. So in Revenge of the Sith, if you recall, when Palpatine is giving his big speech in front of the Senate, there is an, a, an alien standing next to him who's blue, who has, I don't want to call them horns, but not only coming from his head, but he has these like kind of long tentacles that kind of fall uh, along his chest on both sides. Um, he he kind of showed up in a couple different spots. That's that's Masameda, so I recognize. Him. Huh. All right. Sure. So why not? He he was part of the movie, um, but uh, yeah. So let me just mark this down as a correct answer. So I am tabulating things properly. Wow! Surprise, surprise. Tim is two and zero. Oh. No, I got it wrong. You did? Oh, yes, you said Palpatine. I said Emperor that's Palpatine. Right. Said See, that's it, the so one. No. That, that's the one you're going to throw just to try and you know keep it. You know, oh. try and keep it somewhat on the on the legit side. You are awful. You are awful. All right, next. I'm awful. I'm not the one who's cheating. Next one. How did Darth Vader accept Captain Nita's apology? A. He increased his rank. B. He decreased his rank. C. He shook his hand. Or D. He choked him. Uh, I'm going to go with D. What'd you say? Um, Whatever's the right answer. Oh, I said D as well. Yeah. Uh, was it 69? So that would be D, he choked him. So we are both correct. Well, at least I get out of this without having a goose egg in the wind, wind column. So. <laughs> he said apology accepted after he fell over from choking. So I think I was Empire Strikes. All right, uh, next question. Against which organization on Corellia did Darth Vader enlist Grand Admiral Thrawn's aid? So this one is a little outside of the movies, but we'll see if you get it. A, Black Moon. B, Black Sun. C, Black Hole. Or D, Black Star. Against which organization on Corellia did Darth Vader enlist Grand Admiral Thrawn's aid? And for C. the record, I, I said B, Black Sun. I'm going to go with C, whatever that one was. I'm just going with C. Is B, Black Sun. So, Shocker. Another one. The you know, man they call him gets another one it. right. You're just throwing it. I'm not throwing it. it. I don't, how the hell am I going to know that? I haven't. I, how how am I going to know that? You I think guessed. an organization calls itself Black Hole? Could be. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a very good organization. <laughs> oh, all right. Two to one. Throwing it for crying out loud. Uh, see, look, this is taking the place of fantasy football because she's. It's we have Uncle Todd in full curmudgeon mode now. All right. Last question of uh, for this episode: Who did Jabba Thank the Hutt? God. Who did Jabba the Hutt order into the Sarlacc pit first? A. Han Solo. B. Chewbacca. C. Luke Skywalker. Or D. Lando Calrissian. 
Uh, for the I'm record, sorry. I said C, Luke Skywalker. Well, oh, actually, hang on a second. Yeah, no, it's Luke. Yeah, because Luke was, got, yeah, because Han was the one who ended up jobbing out Boba Fett. He was still in the skiff. All right, yeah, so it was Luke. So you're going to go with Luke? Yeah. You are correct, sir. You and I both got that one right. So right. what, you're like four four and one, and I was like two and three? Was that it? Uh, so I got three correct this round, and you got two correct. Mm. Shocker. Will you stop? Very bitter. All right, and with that pummeling is the weekend. <laughs> you know, just like Darth Vader, you're a very sore winner. You know that? <laughs> Very, very sore winner. All right. Well, well, thank you for extending out the Week in Geek to approximately three hours. Really appreciate that. <laughs> Apparently didn't bother to read what the name of the show was. But anyways, um, so now we're going to get into the show on Netflix called Another Life. And we've, yeah. uh, we've referenced this one a few times, and I believe it was uh, at least once my uh, and another thing. It is a uh, sci-fi show. Uh, you got two seasons of it so far on the Netflix, and it stars the one and only friend of the show, Miss Katie Sackoff. Uh, friend of the show. Yeah, I, lo- I just love saying that. That's going to come <laughs> back and bite me at some point when we get a cease and desist letter. Although, actually, we probably won't because Patrick will like lose that letter, and I'll end up getting sued because of it he'll so try faxing it to you and, and think he actually you know communicated yeah you're all welcome by the way you're all yeah. welcome so do we have a uh, a summary for this let me uh d- no i did not write a summary but i can verbally go through one real quick if you want well let me uh should we pull up the wikipedia one here i, um, I do have it oh boy that's just a list of that yeah go right ahead and read that for me then because the, not- the synopsis okay well, actually, the uh, yeah, synopsis, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Another Life starts off, imagine if you will, an oh, unidentified- for, are we, Is it like Golden Golden Girls? <laughs> Picture it, Sicily, 1963. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? I mean, I, actually, before we go any further, ladies and gentlemen, can we all pour one out for Betty White? Ah, oh, yes. goodness. Oh, it's just not, uh, man, 2022 already just, ugh. Kind of sucks. Anyways, go right ahead. Picture it. Earth. An unidentified flying object shaped like a large Mobius strip lands on Earth and grows a crystalline tower above it. Eric Wallace, a scientist employed by the United States Interstellar Command, attempts to communicate with the alien structure. Meanwhile, Wallace's wife, veteran Captain Nico Breckenridge, takes the spaceship Salvare, meaning to save in Latin and its young crew to determine the origin of the artifact and establish contact with the aliens who sent it. The Salvare is capable, shockingly, of faster-than-light FTL travel and carries most of its crew asleep in hibernation pods to be awakened when needed. So, first of all, my first bone to pick here is, how in the ever-loving crap does Eric Wallace get a mention before the main character of the show? Ladies and gentlemen, this is why this is why Wikipedia can be feel a little shaky at times because it's like you buried the lead, like Eric Wallace, <laughs> not the lead in the show. Come no, on now, no. no. Uh, but anyways, uh, so it's you know it's been a, it's an interesting little sci-fi story, and uh, we're gonna go through this uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly style because we're yes. gonna try and organize our thoughts here a little bit. So 
sir, uh, how about you start us off with what's your the good from and another uh, and another life? I keep doing that. <laughs> this is I this is gonna why mess you up, my friend, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, well, what isn't really? I mean, quite honestly. Uh, so, what do you got for your good? So, my good. Um, what what I really liked or, or yeah, really enjoyed from it was, you know, in season one. Uh, I liked the idea and this has been kind of something percolating in my brain anyways about, you know, stories of, you know, kind of space travel within our solar system and kind of, and, and just going on a journey through that, you know, kind of to whatever is just beyond, you know what I mean? And, and, and mm. really just kind of exploring, you know, ha having a, a, a good story behind it, but just having a group of characters kind of go on that voyage. And this show kind of does that, you know, they, they travel uh, basically to um, what did they call it? Canis Majoris. Is that? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I got to look it up. Sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. I think it's called Canis Majoris, which I think is an actual constellation. I think, or or sure. entity. Um, but anyways, um, but they travel out to it, and you know, throughout the course of you know the two seasons, they come across planets with you know the environment, like an environment that can support life. And so they go down and, you know, kind of do landing parties and explore and, and all, you know, kind of in service of the story. But I just like the fact that they kind of took the time to do that. You know, like, like it, mm -hmm. it just, sometimes with these stories, it's all about flying through space and the lasers and shooting, you know, the ships and all of the space battles that happen. And, you kind of lose a little bit of, of just that, that groundedness, um, to some degree. Now, granted, you know, faster than light FTL is not a technology we have, but mm -hmm. I can overlook that because, you know, again, seeing them kind of explore and, and find new, new worlds and try to, you know, kind of blaze new trails. I thought that was just kind of a, you know, a neat concept for, for a show to kind of have a, as a backdrop to, to the larger story that's going on. So that was something yeah. I liked. Um, I loved all kind of the BSG callbacks. We, we have a character named William, like William Adama. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we have an FTL, uh, we have an airlock and ladies and gentlemen, by episode two, we have people yelling to send people out of said airlock. Uh, where's Laura Roslin when you need her? Not the president, but yes, uh, we, we, <laughs> we had a call for, for people to go out the airlock. Um, and then we had in season two, uh, it was great to see Kate Vernon, uh, the actress mm, uh, yeah. playing Nico's mom Yep, and Rekha Sharma as Ursula, the creator of William, the AI, that is a main character in this story. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was a different take on the alien concept, which, you know, like this did not feel like a retread. Um, it, it did feel somewhat unique in the way they were trying to tell the story and, what was kind of going on? Not really sure. Is this a friendly uh, species? Are they not, you know, trying to figure out what's, what's really going on, um, you know, made it, made it interesting. Um, I thought the villains they had uh, were, were very heelish to use a wrestling term. Uh, so the characters mm. of Sasha Harrison and Seth Gage uh, as uh, Akaya controlled humans uh, mm. were, were, were villainous heels, if you will, of, of the highest order that you just wanted yes. to see punched in the face. So <laughs> yeah, very, very subversive in a way, yes. which was, which was interesting and a, kind of an interesting way to go. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to keep going or take a breather and let you go? Uh, well, I mean, are you done? That's all the, are those I, the, I, the I have a couple more. I have a couple. Okay. More. Well go right ahead, sir. You, you keep on rolling. Uh, I thought it was really funny. The, the sequence, uh, there's an episode in season one where they, they visit a planet 
and uh, Nico and the character Cass are kind of on their own and they, they try, I think some of the fruit and they end up getting high as kites and just, <laughs> just, just the whole interplay between them was really funny. I thought, uh, I, I thought it was just yeah. kind of a interesting, interesting uh, scene that, that, that they put on there and, and, you know, just basically both just kind of letting loose all the history that, that each other, you know, had and, and that kind of, you know, lends itself to later episodes. Um, killing of the crew members uh, due to unplanned events. I thought that was good because it's, that's a realistic part of space travel. I think, you know, not, not that I wish death upon anyone, but when you, when you do that journey, it's, it's not known what you're all going to face, you know? And, and mm. I think bringing that reality into it um, made it feel a little more grounded, even though, like I said, it, it does exist in, in a, a much fictitious sort of space beyond what we currently have today. So I thought, I thought that was a, a nice touch. Um, I liked how in season two, they, they discovered how to create and use wormholes as travel. I mean, that, that's something, um, you know, maybe while it was used or not kind of called out as wormholes and maybe other science fiction shows, I just, I thought it was an interesting development that they, they kind of learn how to use that as a form of travel. Um, so that at the end of season two, that seems to be the way they, they start to do travel, you know, kind of moving forward. Uh, and my last point I got to actually tip my cap to the Dakuma, uh, the, the alien who basically just sort of mutates other people that, you know, kind of claims and, and captures and man, they were nasty, just downright nasty. The episode was just a rat in a cage from season two. And, Mm. uh, uh, just, it it was just a, it was a very dark episode and it was a very unique and interesting kind of villainous character. I I was kind of hoping it would be around for a few more episodes than it was, but it was uh, just just a interesting take, and and it just kind of kept you on, you know, just just kind of kept you on this on the edge of your seat, just you know, at least for that episode with with what was going on with that character. So that's a long winded good list, but that's what I liked. Right on. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna say right up front, uh, you have actually gone through this series a little bit more recently than I have. So I watched season one back when it first came out, and then or well not right when it came out, but not too long after it came out. And then I watched season two, not too long after it came out. So it's been a little while, whereas I think you've watched this just in the past month or so. Yeah. 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 So you have a, you have a bit more finer, uh, fine points in terms of, of stuff. I'm going to be a little more general. Mm I have first and foremost, uh, Katie Sackhoff's performance, I think is great. Absolutely carries the show. Uh, I think that, you know, she does a great job of basically being the person she's like that is that's the name and that is the character that everything orbits around. And she, I think, does a great job of managing to make her character um, believable as in that universe. And and also there's there's some vulnerability there. She makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. She's heroic when she needs to be. But then there's also just there's a lot of different there's a, there's a, there's some depth to that character. And I I think part of that comes from just, uh, her performance through that. So I was a fan of that. Of course, keep in mind, uh, I'm, I'm also in the middle of my Longmire watch rewatch. Uh, and after that, I'm going to rewatch BSG. So maybe it's, I'm just on like Katie Sackhoff OD at this point that I'm just anything that she's in, like she should call, she could show up in a Twizzlers commercial and I'd probably be like, Oh, it's fantastic. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, I also thought Samuel Anderson's performance as William was really good. 
um, especially in the um, by the in, in the second, should, we probably should have said spoilers, but you know what? If people can't figure that out, then you know whatever. Uh, We're talking about the, second, the show, folks. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so you know, I liked his performance throughout, and thought you know some interesting kind of ways that that character developed and and had wrinkles to it, and the way that the character was used. Um, uh, I also enjoyed uh, Elizabeth Faith Ludlow as Cass. I thought she was an, she was a good secondary, you know, second banana sort of like pillar of the show. And, and was also that character felt like it had a little, you know, I don't know, felt had a little depth. So that was another, another character that was good for, you know, for Nico to kind of play off of. Um, I also enjoyed the, uh, the appearances from the BSG alumni. It was Mm -hmm. very weird having a couple of Cylons show up. And by the way, uh, Starbucks mom is a Cylon. All right, sure. Why not? (laughs) Uh, she was really good though. Uh, it's always good to see Rekha Sharma in these, uh, in, in stuff like this. It's kind of funny though, how I've started connecting dots through, through different shows because I, in also, I need to catch up on Star Trek discovery, which had its new season come out and I still have not, uh, I haven't had to dive into that yet, but Rekha Sharma, Sharma was on that show. Uh, for quite a few episodes. And then I just realized during the middle of my Longmire rewatch that, um, oh gosh, what's her character's name? I can't remember. Shoot. Uh, is it, uh, no, I can't remember. I can't remember the character's name and I'm too lazy to look it up right now, but on Star Trek, on Star Trek discovery. Oh, oh, um, okay. So curly red hair, um, Wicked Smat. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I know. So I'm just trying to disc- – but but she is also on Longmire. I didn't realize that. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. So now all my little sci-fi connections are all coming together by way of Wyoming. Uh, it's it's very weird, but you know what? It works. Um, so those were great. I enjoyed the fact that there's a lot of twists and turns with the show. Uh, I did appreciate the the fact that there was it, – it's not it's not highbrow sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of, it has its roots in kind of the, the, the monster of the week sort of storytelling that I grew up on watching Star Trek and Star Trek, the next generation. And just a lot of shows that I used to grew up watching. It was just kind of like, Ooh, what's the, what's the adventure this week? And sometimes you just want that. Like sometimes, you know, you just want like the cruddy pizza that you used to have as a kid or whatever. You you just kind of want that. And I enjoyed the fact that there was it was kind of that thrill a minute, you know, sort of like, Hey, and then there's this thing that happens and Hey, it's resolved now. And we move on. And I, I enjoyed that sort of thing that it wasn't trying to be so high level all the time. You know, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, that also has some drawbacks. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely drawbacks to that. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that, you know, some of the, the, the science-based stuff that you brought out, like I keep on hitting my mic and that's going to sound fantastic. Um, some <laughs> of the, yeah, that's yeah, going to be great. Good thing I'm not editing these anymore. Anyways, oh, uh, in case you hadn't noticed, come on. um, but like the whole wormhole thing and, and adding some, some kind of cool sci-fi aspects. I did appreciate the fact that we didn't have like that, that there are, there are consequences to space travel and the danger that is in it. And that, you know, those kind of do carry through from episode to episode. So that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just overall, those are, those are kind of the things I thought really were the, the good for me. Nice. Nice. 
Now, what have you got for the bad? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we You're not even going to wait for the ugly. You're just going to dump it all here. You can't well, wait. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Catharsis. <sighs> Indeed. Well, all right. I guess I'll start with my first point. The insufferability of most of the characters. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I, God, I really struggled with liking the crew. Um Mm, yeah it, it, it was really i i don't know if it was just during season one they were still trying to find their rhythm or find the the various beats of the different characters but it was really hard to root for this group because they just seemed like not enough time had been spent with the character of ian yerksa who for those who haven't seen the show mm. is essentially the captain of the Silvare and Nico Breckenridge, which is Katie Sackhoff's character is kind of thrust into that role for this specific mission. So there's tension immediately when they go on this voyage with, in terms of leadership, in terms of the crew following, you know, their, what is typically their captain versus this, this other person who was kind of thrust into the, into the role. Mm -hmm. But they, there wasn't like enough time spent with it. So all of the angst that they have toward Katie Sackhoff's character, you're just looking at them like you morons. Like what? <laughs> it's like you, you, you don't like her simply because she's the captain. I mean, what are you for? I mean, it's just like, come on. It's like, yeah, you yeah, guys are out yeah. in the edge of space. There are more important things to be thinking about in the moment, you know? Well, and the funny thing is that some of that stuff, it felt like there was a lot of like big things that would happen. And then the crew got over them really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that happened. Oh, well. Wait, wait a minute. Now, I I mean, I said that I liked the, the fact that it was like monster of the week and all that, but it's like there's some like issues there that should kind of stick around yeah. and yeah. some of the, and some of the stuff with Nico stuck in other parts of it just didn't, yeah. you know, it was weird. So I struggled with that a bit. The, the character of Harper glass played by Selena, S S Selma Blair, not Selena, mm. Selma Blair, um, drove me nuts. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Which it, I actually kind of think is the, is the point of the character in some ways. So maybe but, this should go into almost the like, Good it was like is, go it was like go away heat instead yeah, of heat yeah. times yeah x-pac heat <laughs> oh jeez ouch was it x-pac or was it who, who ah, anyways there's there's a, a long list go away I mean, heat. yes man you had sean waltman rubbed you the wrong way no 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 stole i stole your I'm lunch money at some point i'm a fan um but like the whole concept of her character was just very strange to me it's just like she's this reporter who somehow around the globe is always the first one to get the story. It just seemed like kind mm. of a strange character to me, you know? Yeah. It's like, what, what are you, the all knowing, all seeing, you know, <laughs> it's, it was just weird, you know? Yeah. They didn't do a great job of, of kind of like, I think that there was an, it's an interesting concept of like what the, what social media influencers right. can become. Mm -hmm. And, and how that all works, but it didn't really go into how she would get all this information and, and all that. And I think they're right. They just came up short on, on explaining some of that and it could have yes. worked better. I, I think there was a good idea, but it was not, it was not well executed, which there's a lot to talk about with that too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is that like, I think what caused a lot of 
these problems from my perspective, at least was the lack of time invested in rounding all of these characters out. I mean, there, there was very Mm. little world building in the first episode. I mean, you're just thrown into it and you're supposed to care about characters in a very specific way. And it's, it's hard to get to that point because you're just learning about them, you know, and it's, Mm. it's really, so, so that was kind of uh, interesting. And then, um, or, or, you know, insufferable. And then finally, uh, the insufferable of all insufferable characters, uh, Eric, Nico's husband, uh, who yes. looked like he was in a perpetual state of perspiration constantly <laughs> throughout two seasons. I'm like, take a shower, man. <laughs> perspiration Lord. and constipation, too. Like he, he looks like he just needed he looks like he just needed to let a good deuce go and then life would have been <laughs> fine for him. But for some reason, he just looked bound up like the whole time. I kind of have this this picture like just before they say action, like someone's hosing him down with like some sort of sprayer with the hair or something. It's like, come here, you're not soppy wet enough, you know? It's like we gotta make you it's just incredible. I, I was just like, what is going on here? All yeah. right, so that that is the insufferability of the characters. Um, kind of tangential to that, you know. So I talked about how I liked how they were trying to tell like a grounded story in, in some ways from, you know, from a science perspective of, of what this would look like. Yeah. Um, I really felt like the crew of the ship seemed mentally unfit for space travel. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, but yeah. I'm like, as the story progresses, they, they're just like not able to handle what I feel are probably some very basic problems and, and really not, you know, the, the sort of, you know, high stress and high pressure type stuff that I would imagine space travel would, would introduce. Um, Mm. you know, for example, I think it's an episode two of season one, they land on a planet to get oxygen and two of the crew are down there mining it. Um, there, there, apparently there's like oxygen in the rocks or something like that or water or something. So, so they're mining and they take their helmets off. Like, like it, it just feels like no one wanted to follow any sort of protocol at all when they go down on the planet. And then shockingly oh, yeah. they get infected with a virus. So it's like, it's like, what did now, you think was going to happen? You know? Now the thing is now I just for, just to play devil's advocate here, just to play devil's advocate, yes, sir. the same sort of thing happened in, in Prometheus. Did you ever see that? The aliens prequel? I did not actually. Okay, so don't don't bother. But that's Ridley Scott. Yeah. And I mean, let me repeat that. That's Ridley effing Scott. Mm-hmm. Like Alien, Gladiator, The Martian, like this is this is a proper filmmaker, a dude who has has a, a good resume. Yeah. You know, a great resume if you will. However, at one point has like this expert on alien species, this thing crawling up and he's like, "Hey there, little guy." And like going out to pet it with his finger. And I'm like, what? How? Yeah. But yeah. Ah. no, I mean, so it, it, it's not necessarily stupidity focused here, but it's a, it's a stupid mechanism that does happen in other sci-fi movies, even with directors and writers who are, who are way above the level of like a Netflix show, which nothing wrong with a Netflix show. Don't get me wrong. No one's giving me a Netflix show to write. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not trying to diss on it that way. What I'm trying to say is like, People who have bigger resumes make the same mistake. So it's not exclusive to this. But yeah, no, I totally get that. That was so ridiculous. Like just, oh my, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to lower the, the character's IQ 50 points here for story purposes. Cause we, we need them to do this cause we need them this to happen. 
So let's just make them really dumb for a couple minutes. Right. Yeah, it was great. Right. And 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 it, it wasn't just like one time. It just there were other things that happened. I mean, like the character yeah. of Bernie, who you know, was wandering oh, around gosh, on the first Bernie. planet. Oh my goodness. And that then, guy right there. Yeah. Oh, and then they land another, on another, another really sweaty character. Like you notice yes. that like he, he looks like he ought to be the whole reason he was on the Salvari is probably because Nico's like, you remind me of my husband. You're a very sweaty person. <laughs> Give me a, I want a really sweaty crew. Can we do that? Oh my gosh. The only one who wasn't sweating was William. And that's because he's a hologram. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, they end up on another planet and he cuts his leg on a piece of wood or something. And then his legs like, in fa- I, I mean, it was just like, I, I don't know. They, they just seem to make some very basic mistakes to me that I'm just like, if yeah. you were going on this mission, like I'm trying to think in, in the real world a little bit, if, if they go on this mission, longest journey they've ever been on, there have to be other things they're thinking about than, than the sort of things that they were kind of introducing in the show. It just felt a little, I don't know. It just didn't jive well with me. It really um, seems like some of the problems that they had would have been covered in like the first week of space training. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you didn't read the manual, did you? Um, somehow basic explanations aren't made about events that transpire. So the whole crew is in a constant state of misunderstanding. And, mm. and and I look at episode one, season one, into episode two of season one, and th- and so this is what really kind of got me already on the angsty path with the show is, you know, so spoilers, uh, Nico ends up killing Ian because Ian essentially rushes her like he's going to harm her. And episode two starts and the whole crew is just like ripped at Nico. And I'm sitting here like, did she not tell them what happened? I mean, it's like, seriously, like I, I get the ideas. He was their captain. They're, they're loyal to him. She must've done something or she must've done it. But I'm like on the ship that has cameras everywhere and sensors equipment running on all these levels and stuff like that. You mean to tell me you guys can't get to the bottom of what really happened? Are you kidding me? I was yeah, just like, yeah, that, Oh my that's gosh. A pretty big gap. Yeah. True. Yeah. And, and that goes on for like five episodes in season one is like, is, is her, like, I get there's the story they're telling about her earning the crew's trust, but at the same time, it's like some of the distrust was just, like I said, what are you for? I mean, come on now. Yeah. It felt like they, they took a long time to kind of figure out that that wasn't something that people really wanted to to focus on the show. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it took a long time for them to realize like, ah, I don't think this is what we want to focus on, which is kind of weird. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and if you look at just looking at on IMDB, like the ratings that they have for the shows, if you go to season one, not all that impressive starts off very middling, a lot of five mm-hmm. points, you mm-hmm. know, sevens, 6.3, like very middle of the road season two, definitely you know higher ratings and it felt like you know it did it took them several episodes in season one to really kind of find their legs and to to, it felt like it felt like they were doing it script by script and then they never went back and revised when they when they found oh hey this is kind of what we want yeah and then they then they just didn't go back and be like okay well hey let's let's figure out how to get there a little bit better Cause we're fumbling. Yeah. It looks like it's like they didn't realize that they were fumbling yeah. through that, which is odd. But yeah. then again, I mean, no one's asking me to write for one of these. So <laughs> who the hell am I? Um, what else? Uh, some of the crew deaths didn't really hit me very like, like in an emotional way. Like I, I, I think mm. back to be a, and I, I, I know it's probably unfair to make this comparison, but 
but in a way, I, I, I do think it is fair because I go back to when we talked about BSG and I think it's, I think it's in season four um, when, when D takes her life. Yeah. And, and, and that is a very specific moment in, in that series. So like I said, it is a little unfair, but at the same time, that only works because of all of the prior storytelling that led to building her character to that moment to which when that happens, you're like, like sick to your stomach after the episode. Yeah. Now here I will, I will throw this out. I, cause I, I know what you're saying and I, and I agree with what you're saying. I think that you might be using a not as great example. Okay. That's be, fair. Because D was, if not like a main character, she was a peripheral character at the beginning and worked her way into becoming more of a main character throughout the series. Right. But a, a better example might have been the first one that comes to mind is Prozna from the miniseries. Mm-hmm. So he was the dude who was one of the deckhands who was holding the plaque behind his back when Adama came up to him, and he was he was one of those guys. And then when they had to shut the uh, to vent the they had to vent the sections in order to you know shut down the fire, and Ty tells him to do it, and then you know, there, they have him, his burnt up body there that Callie's holding on to and all that. And he's one of the, but you felt that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. partly because you'd seen him and the way that they, and the way that the whole thing was set up. It's the presentation. And yes. And it was totally about the other characters and that that death meant something, even though you didn't, you didn't know who that character was. You didn't know anything about him, but because of the characters around them and how it was perceived and how it was, how it was carried out, it meant something. Right. They didn't really do that here. They didn't do a good job of of having those character deaths mean something because of the situation or the way that it informed you about other characters. Like you learned a lot about Ty and about Chief because of what happened to this other character. Right. And I don't really feel like you got that in this show. And no. and you don't need to have a main character get knocked off in order for that to happen. I mean, I, th- I, I, I like, like in season one, I thought the death of, of Michelle was well done when she, you know, had to go and, and deal with the exotic matter and, and essentially save them, but ended up in a puddle, you know, because she was essentially melted down by, by that, by that matter. You know, I thought that character, you know, her death was well done, but you know, Bochamp, um, I think in season two, he, he gets taken out just out of the blue. And, and then I think, um, what are the other two? Uh, I don't know. There was, there was so many and that I'll just chime in here. That is one of my, one of my, you know, the bads is basically in season one, especially Yeah, there was, it spent a lot of time in the, you know, and I'll call this the Sopranos effect. Who's going to die this episode? Yeah. Sort of yeah. stone. And oh, that yeah. was just, they were just like killing off characters left, right, and center, like every episode. And after a while you become desensitized to it. Cause it, you're like, okay, yeah. And it's not like you can't have a character just get killed out of nowhere because like you said, it's, it's space Yeah, and stuff's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do it all the time and, and have these characters deaths mean anything if you just keep running through it because it really didn't inform the way that those deaths were carried out. It didn't inform us about the other characters much because right. those other characters seem to get over it pretty damn quick, even though like, Hey, I know this guy. Oh, he's dead. Oh, well, what's for, what's for dinner? Right, right. We got any snacks? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying with that. 
Uh, I'm, I'm almost done with my list. Uh, the, the constant bickering of the crew. We've talked about that. I, mm. I, I know you listed William and Nico's relationship as something I think under the good. I, I just really struggled with the relationship because it like, like I understand there, there was this advanced AI, it, it, it was developing, you know, human emotions, that sort of thing. And I, I just felt like they couldn't decide where they wanted the story to go. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it just, yeah. They, they were starting down a romantic path and then they steered away from it. And then in season two, they do this ridiculous thing with this Gabriel AI out of nowhere. Where yeah, it's like, that was weird. They, they just all of a sudden introduce it. And then it's like, oh, I'm taking over. I'm going to be the obnoxious AI that's going to do everything to, you know, throw you guys off your game. And, and I'm just sitting here like, it's almost like literally a writer came into the room and said, we're going to bring this guy in. And everyone's like, yeah. And then they did it. And it was just like, it was just, it just felt very forced and weird. So you know, their relationship was kind of strange. Um, and, and I, I had a hard time locking into it. I like the characters independently. I, I thought, you know, the, the character of William was very well done. Um, and, and, and was in a lot of ways, just kind of a constant through the two seasons, you know, like, like he had his own kind of journey, but it felt less jerky and chaotic as compared to the other characters and, and the crew, you know? Um, I wasn't really sure what was going on with Yara. Um, William created him as a way of kind of working through his feelings with Nico. And then she becomes essentially like the data of the show where mm. she's able to do all of this stuff. Cause she somehow has like partial Akaya technology in her. And I'm like, how on earth did this even happen? <laughs> it's just like, so yeah. it just happened. And you're like, okay, sure. Why not? We have an FTL and we have, you know, Starbucks flying. So why not? Um, so, you know, her, her character was, I, I thought, well acted. I thought they explored some interesting things with her character, especially when, you know, a couple of the crew were basically kind of torturing her for information. I thought, you know, that was exploring a very interesting kind of path in terms of what the those characters were doing and, you know, looking at her emotional reaction to it and everything. But but just overall, she just felt like kind of a, like, like what's the phrase, do, do ex machina sort of thing. Like, whenever... Yeah they had a jam that they couldn't get out of. Oh, Yara can do it. You know, like, and data was the same yeah. way in next generation. Right. I mean, he was always the missing link to kind of help get them out of a jam that would, would have otherwise killed them. So, yeah. Um, Either so, that or function is like exposition on legs. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. here, let me, let me, let me explain a few things to you here. Yeah. So, so th th that, that kind of summarizes my, the bad is just, um, just a lot of, very bumpy journey with with the crew and 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 with the characters and i think some of it is because the table wasn't properly set in the beginning and and time wasn't invested in getting me to care about these characters in the way that i think the writers wanted us to because mm. all the other stuff that played out i think would have meant more if we had just had time to kind of get to know them if that makes sense true yeah no i agree i definitely agree and uh I will go, I'll kind of bounce off of that because uh, along with the, you know, who's going to die this episode, some of it is like the, the, the crew's just too damn big. The fact oh, that yeah. you can wake Jeez. people up, like oh. there's, there's apparently like 5,000 people in cold storage and they just wake <laughs> them up one at a time for, for giggles, you know? When they brought and, out and, the colonization team, I'm like, really? <laughs> where yeah, have they where been? The, where the hell y'all been? What, what the crap? <laughs> It's like all of a sudden, like, you know, like, oh like realizing, gosh. and and this is why, and, and this is why I loved the show Red Dwarf, 
because mm-hmm. they made fun of some of this stuff mm-hmm. and how, you know, some of these conventions of sci-fi and all this. And, and it, it, it was it was funny. But here it was. It was like it almost felt like it should be funny, but it wasn't like they're doing it serious. And the idea that you can just keep waking people up as replacements, like I get it in a way, <laughs> but it didn't seem like there was ever any kind of end to it. You know, yeah. like there was an inexhaustible supply of of B and C teamers that they could just bring up to get another warm body in place after they killed yet another character. Right. And after a while, again, it doesn't it it, it kind of it was something that in the that B and, and again, just to focus like this is not just this this show, not just these writers, not just these directors. BSG kind of fell into this a, a little bit because they never really explain like they kind of would talk about, oh, well, we're kind of running out of. Uh, you know, materials to to build new planes and this and that, and they kind of focus on it. But then it kind of went away, and there was always enough vipers. You know, you ever notice that? Like they never had it. Was, it wasn't like oh, we're only down to like sixteen vipers now. What are we going to do? There was always yeah. enough vipers, and kind of the same thing here. Like you, because you always have to sort of like how back in the eighties, like nobody's gun ever ran out of bullets ever. Right. Right. In history, except if it was a bad guy or the or the good guy needed that to happen. Um, otherwise it was just an endless supply of ammunition in this. I mean, it's the same sort of thing, but it, it lessens again, it lessens the sacrifice of that character or the loss of that character. If you can just pull up, all right, well, pull out C11. Yeah. What's their name? Bob. Ah, who gives a crap? They're probably going (laughs) to die next episode anyways. (laughs) And that was kind of the way it worked. Yeah. Like there's just too many of these, uh, of these chuckleheads that you can just pull out of a tube and, and roll on. Like there had to be a certain point, like, Hey, we're we're running out of science officers. We only, we only got four more engineers left in cold storage. We Mm -hmm. can't keep, you know, you got to stay on the ship this time. You know, let someone else go down and cut their leg. Let one of the cooks go down, you know? Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. That was, that was kind of tough. Um, this, the, the special effects could be kind of janky and low rent. I mean, but for Netflix, you're kind of going to get some of this. Like it, there is, I'm starting to notice there is sort of a, uh, and I've seen it mentioned before by a couple folks on different forums as, as like a Netflix look where just the way it looks, it can kind of look a little cheaper for some reason. And I don't know if it's maybe just the way it's shot, the way that, you know, the resolution that they're getting. So they're doing it digitally a certain way for streaming. I don't know what it is, but there is a certain amount of like, ugh kind of looks a little on the cheap side. And I've, I felt like some of those, sometimes they managed to do it really well, but, but there was times when it really came to the forefront and yeah. I was like, Ugh, yeah. that looks dodgy. Oof. But then again, not to say it happens with everyone. Cause the last episode of book of Boba Fett episode two, that, that just came out, uh, this past week, there was times when I'm, I'm watching that. I'm like, okay, I can totally tell this was in the volume. Yeah which I didn't notice before on the Mandalorian. And maybe that was because I didn't even know the volume existed until after the, you know, the show was done. They, sh- you saw the first season, of the gallery and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this thing exists. This is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then there was a couple of times where I'm like, okay, this is obviously in the, in the volume. Mm. Like I can tell, I don't know if that's an awareness thing or whatever, but it, you know, same sort of thing. So it's not exclusively here, but it, it, it does still count. Um, and, and to go with you, like, yeah, there's a lot of middling performances from the cast and the supporting cast. Uh, there's a lot of characters who were just not likable, even though they're supposed to be likable. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of these cats had go away heat. A lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them. Like when you had a character who you're just like ambivalent about, yeah. 
when you're just sort of like, meh, I don't feel bad or good about them. That's actually a plus. Like that, right. that's the bar, you know, that you, that most of them were trying to get over. We just didn't like outright hate them. Like I'm supposed to be rooting for you not to die. I could care less. Yeah. Like, could we just push that person out the airlock? I'm tired of watching them, you know, and that's not good for your heroes. <laughs> I don't know if no. anybody knows that, but you don't want people to feel that way about your heroes in the show. Um, and I, th- I think that had a lot to do with something I'll get into in, in the ugly. Um, but yeah, a lot of middling performances and also uh, kind of the anti BSG, like where BSG managed to get a lot of day players who turned out to be really good. Like I think better than what they had imagined. And then they, they worked into like, okay, let's start giving this person more. Like, let's start giving this person more. Like they're, they're pretty good. And we, we've kind of figured out how to work with this, this actor's strengths. Let's, let's, let's develop that character some more. And that's what made that show have so much richness is so many of those like one-off characters, like the day players, you know, the, the people who were just picked up in Vancouver when they were up there shooting. Cause like, Hey, we don't have to get you a passport. You're already here. Boom. You're hired. Oh, wow. You're pretty good. Let's, let's figure out some more stuff for them to do. Yeah. I don't think that they, they found a lot of those actors in this show. Mm-hmm. And if they did, they didn't do a very good job of developing those characters. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which brings us now to the ugly. <laughs> so you were you were already pretty rough on this in the bad. I'm I can't wait to see what you got here, sir. What do you got for your ugly? Uh, my my primary. I, I have a couple of points of ugly, but yeah, I think you know because again, we my my wife and I pushed our way through it, and I say it that way because it was just like it wasn't like like when when we watch you know Shit's Creek. I was looking forward to the next episode, you know, just every episode was just a little gem made. I mean, made me laugh out loud in a way that I, I don't normally laugh, you know, with television shows. And this one, I'm just like, ready to watch the next episode. (laughs) Yeah. It really, there wasn't much of a, like a a risk of a BSG, like, okay, one more episode. And then like 3am you're like, okay, I got to go to sleep now. Yeah. This is the anti binge you know, series, you know, it's like, I'll watch one and I'm like, good, I'm ready for bed. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. But the biggest thing that I would put in the ugly category, and I think you touched on it is the lack of story continuity. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways I've kind of touched on a couple points and as of you, but uh, you know, as, as a couple of examples, you know, much of season one was them flying through this dark matter to get to, you know, this, this planet where they, they felt the, or or they thought that the signal was coming from. And when they turn around and they start making their way home, like nothing is mentioned about this. You know what I mean? It's like, like this thing that was this obstacle for them in season one is not even mentioned in season two and they're somehow making their way home. Yeah. Um, now maybe I missed some minor thing, but it just, it just felt kind of like thrown together, you know, and, and just, or, or, or like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. Um, when it came to the technology, it's like, you know, they captured one of those Akaya creatures and it's like, oh, I'm going to reprogram it and then we'll put it back in this guy's head who's brain dead, to, you know, so he can function again. And I'm like, wait a minute, you've just met this alien race. You've just landed the first one of these devices and you're going to reprogram it and put it in your buddy's head and think nothing's going to go bad with that. It's like, hey, look, it runs on Linux. too. <laughs> 
Which that brings, is always, but but that is one of those things that is it's such a science sci-fi can uh, sort of thing that you almost can't fault pe- people pe- people for it anymore because it's like everybody does it. Right. Like Jeff right. Goldblum can all of a sudden well, reprogram program a virus that's going to talk to the aliens. Like exactly. everybody, all of a sudden, computer languages don't vary whatsoever across the universe. Everybody speaks the same language, yes. and I get the like, oh, it's all binary. It's ones and zeros and blah blah. blah. But that doesn't mean within like five seconds, you're like I know how to crack this. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What? Yep. Come on. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And then, what what really confused me in the finale of season two was when Nico let herself be, in in essence, kind of possessed or you know taken over by the the Akaya you know uh, creature or whatever it was. I thought she was sacrificing herself because the way that she was like popping and cracking and all this sort of stuff, I thought the thing was basically like, you know, tearing her body apart, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. And yet once it flies away or is dealt with, she's hundred percent. And I'm just like, huh, that, that didn't sound like that felt good. (laughs) Well, didn't you know the Akaya are basically just intergalactic chiropractors? She she actually got alien possession and an adjustment. We got your C3, your C4 and your C5. So (laughs) wow. I I don't have that twinge anymore. Awesome. Amazing. Managed to fix that knee that I I cracked up uh, when I was flying Vipers back in the day too. That's great. <laughs> um, I, I had this listed in ugly, but I already talked about yeah the crew hating on Nico uh, after she killed Ian, you know, without any sort of understanding. But I but we I talked about that in the bad, so I'll skip that one. Um, we already just touched on it. The fact that they just met the Akaya, they're able to hack their code, they're able to know how to infiltrate their tech and. It's just, you know, it's a matter of just them doing it, you know, and, and it just felt very, very uh, simplistic, you know what I mean, G- given the situation. Um, and yeah, I touched on the last thing, which was, you know, I pushed through the seasons, but honestly, I, I was not looking forward to it. It, w- it was the anti uh, binge series for me. Uh, it, it, it was a bit of a struggle to to want to watch, but I, I gutted it out. Um, I did feel like they you know, I think part of the issue may have been a lack of direction or, or vision for where they wanted to take the show. And I do feel like in some ways in season two, they were, you know, when, when they came to the end of season two, it's like, okay, I kind of see what they were trying to do. It's just, they took this really bendy way to get there. And, um, and, and it was interesting, you know, I mean, I I, like, like I like that they kind of left it almost as a finale finale, you know, if, if they don't make a season three where, you know, they've essentially, you know, earned the respect or, or knowledge of all these other races, like the, like the universe is now opening up to them because opening yeah. up to earth because of what they did. And now they're starting to use the technology they learned to make way, you know, through the universe in a very different way than they could before. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Like here are the things we learned. Here's now our ability to go do this. And we're going to, you know, you know, basically go out and, and greet and, and become, you know, ambassadors with, with other races and things like that. I think that's a great message. It's a basis of Star Trek, but, um, but just the way the journey we took together there was oof, rough. It was rough. Baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, indeed. That was a rough road. And sir, what is your, the ugly for this series? Well, first and foremost, Eric freaking Wallace. <laughs> I I know you already covered this one in your the I bad. I spit at thee. 
I, I save this one for the ugly because there ain't no way in hell that I buy this guy as Nico's husband. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, it, it's just, it's weird. It is absolutely weird. Cause there's yeah. also a thing in a, in a Longmire where Katie Sackhoff's character is married to this guy and you're just like, how in the hell did you two ever even wind up dating? Like yeah. how, how did this, how did this happen? You know? And I get it. Like some conventions of like, Oh, Hey, from different worlds or opposites attract or whatever, but there just seems to be something just weird. You know, they're, like I, for whatever reason, like there didn't feel like a lot of chemistry between Justin Chatwin and Katie Sackhoff. Granted, I mean, you, you only see them together like <laughs> 20 minutes through the whole entirety of two seasons because they're com- they're completely separated. So, I mean, I guess there's that. Yeah. But I don't, even when they're together, like I just don't get, it didn't feel like those two actors had chemistry. Now, maybe they did and they thought it was great and all. I don't know. But to, as someone watching, it just didn't feel like it. Um, and yes, very sweaty too. Like I, 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 now that you say that, like totally, yeah, I'm getting that. Um, yeah. So I just didn't buy him as Nico's husband. Um, man, some of the convenient story devices that are just happened throughout that just kind of, oh, and then this happens. Like you're saying the Deus ex machina sort of things that just are like, oh, and we made it like, ah, come on. You know, like, a few, yes. Like they they happen in every movie, every show, where you have to have you you have to have that suspension of disbelief to go, okay, fine. But when you're doing yeah. it like all the time, then it just becomes lazy. Like every every story is gonna have something like that where if you want to nitpick, you can be like, Whoa, that's not very realistic. I get it. But when it can continues to happen episode after episode, then it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like you've got an interesting concept. Like just bear down a little bit more on it, like focus. Yeah. Uh, which then leads me into here is where, you know, and, and uh, I'm not trying to compare this to battle again. I'm hitting the freaking no, actually I'm hitting the, I'm hitting the, yeah, I'm hitting the mic again. Uh, so if you're hearing that in it, like this weird sort of wobbly thing, that's just me being a moron. Um, I don't want to, comp- I don't want to compare this to Battlestar Galactica because they're two mm. very different shows and I'm sure that they have wildly different budgets and, and everything else. Um, however, what made Battlestar Galactica great as a series, not good, great as a series is the fact that it focused on characters. It wasn't, it wasn't a sci-fi show. It was a drama that just happened to be set in a sci-fi universe. Yep. And it was all about the characters within that. And mm-hmm. ultimately that's what it is. It's like they focused on plot and tech. Mm-hmm way and and really did not focus that much on character and we talked about this in a prior episode where when you're dealing with plot you're just trying to get from here to here to here to here you're trying to ring all those bells yep ultimately a story an interesting story is hey here's a pretty interesting character that has things happen to them mm-hmm. and how do they get through it and what's the journey of that character and if you're if you're not having an incredibly interesting character, it can be for a good reason. And then you just, have, but I just need really interesting things to happen to that character yeah. and to learn more about that character and, and how they get through that did not feel like they focused on character that much. It was just mm-hmm. like, okay, and here's this person and you're going to like them because well, they're on the ship with the good guys. So you ought to like them. And here's a little bit of, you know, business for them. But ultimately we've got so many characters flying here and we, that's the other, another thing is it, you can have a cast this big and make it work. Yeah. 
Like it, it, it does happen. However, you have to have writers who know how to do that and a showrunner who knows that big picture from a big picture sense, like, oh, hey, we got to check in with this character. Why, we need more from this. We need, and to balance all of that, didn't feel like they were a, didn't feel like they were a show that really had a good enough grasp on how to manage this many characters. Like if you took four to six main characters mm-hmm. and just 86 them, made the crew maybe a person or two smaller, took away a couple of these other characters that were supposed to be, you know, have like big things happening and you don't have them included, maybe you have a fighting chance because then you'll have to focus on some of the other characters. You'll have to focus on like the characters you have and making them actually fleshed out where it's like, man, if you had a character that had like two dimensions, oh my goodness, it, it seemed incredible because most of them were just one dimensional characters who were just, you're, you're waiting for, it was like a crew full of red shirts. Yeah. And, and you only, and your bridge crew is like one person. Well, and, and it was interesting to hear what you just said, because when you were talking about, oh, we, you know, we need to like you because you're, you're with the crew or, you know, with what, you know, whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're the good guys. It's like, that was the problem I felt like is they, there wasn't focus. You know what I mean? Like, yes, mm. Nico is the hero and the crew don't like her for a number of reasons. And then something happens and they're all on good terms and then something else happens and now they hate each other again. And I remember like it was in either season one or season two that they all sit down to have dinner together. And I said to, said to my wife, I'm like, didn't they just like hate each other last episode? Like, how can they even like sit down and like be civil? Like it, it just like, that was the continuity part I'm talking about. It's just like, yeah, to, to no, what you're saying is pick a direction and focus on a couple things and make those things great. You know, and stop worrying about like, I I felt like they were just trying to create drama at times for the sake of having drama, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and and maybe it goes to your point about the mismanagement of a large cast, you know, like they just didn't know how to write maybe for it. Um, But yeah, it it was very strange. Like just, I don't know. It it didn't seem to reflect human interaction very well. I mean, Baltar and BSG, and I know it's not fair to do the comparison, but Baltar was hated by a number of people throughout seasons, you know? Oh yeah. Like it wasn't like all of a yeah. sudden Dama was chummy with him, you know, in season four, cause Hey, we haven't seen each other in a while. And it's great to see you again, sir. You know, I mean, it was never like that. You know, it, it was all well, I mean, my God in, in the, in the, in the, fin- towards the finale, you have Apollo just like basically telling him like, give me, give me one thing that you've ever done. That's selfless. I'll even believe you like yeah. cutting really deep. Yeah. Yeah, because they had built that up and they kept it consistent. Mm-hmm. And I agree, there was there was a lot of inconsistency. But I think that become that's because they're not focusing on the characters; they're just focusing on plot. And we need, like before, like hey, we need these characters to do something really stupid. So hey, just dial down the intelligence so that the people who <laughs> somehow managed to make it into like the space program and be chosen for this mission yeah. that's going to try and save humanity, and they're going to do the dumbest things possible. Yeah. Because you're not focusing on on characters now. Granted, smart people do dumb things all the time. Yeah, I mean, of course. And I mean, I've and I've, you know, but and it's not uncommon. Like this happens in other shows and other other movies and stuff like that. But I and but when you start adding up all of the things, it really comes down to like, oh, I just wish they'd had a couple better writers. I just wish they'd had a or or that I wish those writers had been shepherded a bit better like it's there's there's something amiss in this whole process and it's either maybe the showrunner just wasn't quite capable of wrangling this maybe the 
maybe the the edicts were from were coming down from Netflix to steer it in this direction, or maybe the the writers just weren't up to the job, or I don't I don't know what it was. But I felt like this was it was a pretty interesting concept that just didn't quite get over the hump. You know, yep. and and not to say that I didn't didn't enjoy watching it. I mean, there were times that I was watching it. I'm like, and like you were saying, the the I can't remember the bad guys you were talking about, but the the ones and that was the season two. Yeah, and they were and they basically the, the person would end up freezing and and all that and and you know at one point they uh, Nico and the other character who I can't remember his name they wake up and they're like they're like literally gutted. Yeah, yeah. Like there were times when this one would like the flip would switch and it went into horror. And I was, I was like, whoa, okay. I'm yeah. not really expecting this. And so, but it kind of reflected in that, like that whole alien thing of like, it's sci-fi, but Hey, now we're going to, we're going to take you in a bit of a direction where now we're talking like kind of a horror movie. And yeah. so like there was interesting things that happened, but man, it felt like it, it the, no one was really at the helm most of the time yeah. in terms of steering the show. Absolutely. And I wish that, I wish that that had happened a little bit better. I wish there'd been a little bit better guidance, a little bit better writing because I, I think that they had a couple of good actors. I think they had a couple of, I think that even some of the characters who are minor characters who could have, who are annoying could have actually been better with some better writing. I don't think they were necessarily bad actors, Absolutely. you know, but I felt like, ah, just, it didn't quite get over the hump. Yep. Mm -mm. Amen. And amen. So what do you got for this for a buy or a sell, sir? Are you, you going to recommend this or not recommend this? So I'm going to answer the question this way. <laughs> oh, geez. This is always a good way to so start off. Would I recommend this to someone? I would be kind of middle of the road to the sell side to say buyer beware going into it. You know, this, yeah. this, is, not a, this is not something I can give a strong recommendation to. Would I watch if they do a season three? Well, I'm two seasons in. I may as well just keep trucking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't hate it so much that I'll stop watching it, but I don't know that I can with a good conscience suggest it to someone else. <laughs> wow. How does, that, um, how does that sound? <laughs> that's almost like someone telling you not to take up smoking as they're just working on their third pack of Marlboros that day. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, kid. You don't want to start. Uh, oh, sweet uh, flavor. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, How about you, sir? Um, what's what's your take on this? Buy or sell? Well, I, I give you a hard time for this, but I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I, it, I would say this: if if you're looking for something that is sci-fi, that is decently made that gives you some good twists and turns and and you you don't have to think too hard about it then yes go ahead and watch it you'll enjoy it it'd be great if you if you're like me and like you are just in the bag for whatever Katie Sackoff decides to do go ahead and watch it by all means cuz she's in every episode and and she's running around doing Katie Sackoff things i mean it's in that respect i mean she like i said she's got broad shoulders cuz she carries the whole show yeah um, and I, I enjoyed her performance in it. Um, if you're looking for, if you've just finished watching BSG and you're looking for your next great sci-fi show, probably not. Like you <laughs> just have to have, you got to have realistic expectations. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think that's what it's all about. And if you're just looking for something to kind of to kind of go through and you're not looking for a life-changing experience, sure, this can be a good watch. If you're looking for something that's going to like totally blow your mind, probably not. Go to Westworld season one for that. Oh. <laughs> Actually, did you hear Westworld season four is coming? They're shooting it right now. Holy moly. When was the f- season three finale? It felt like five years ago. Yeah, it's apparently we're, I I think they're finishing shooting now. So it's anticipated by the end of this year, because actually it was in an HBO Max promo for 2022. Is it uh, Westworld season four? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Looks like I need to go rewatch probably all the episodes to remember what the heck was going on. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those, it's a kind of a daunting rewatch because that's a lot of TV. Yeah. A lot of twists and turns. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Anyways. And another thing. So what do you got for and another thing this episode? Well, my and another thing uh, basically uh, stems from uh, kind of over the holidays. Uh, we gave my son uh, as a gift the book, The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by Dave Grohl. And as I settled into going back to work and uh, needing some kind of background you know, show to listen to. Uh, I came across an interview um, Terry Gross did from Fresh Air with Dave Grohl back in uh, November. Um, and uh, and so my my end another thing is that interview. So if if you are a fan of the Foo Fighters, if you're uh, someone who uh, likes Dave Grohl, who seems like a very down to earth individual, uh, Fresh Air has an episode uh, from December thirtieth of twenty twenty one. Uh, the description reads, uh, the Foo Fighters frontman talks about his journey from playing small punk clubs to giant stadiums in his memoir, The Storyteller. He reflects on how he taught himself drums, his friendship with Kurt Cobain, and reinventing himself after Cobain's death. I was heartbroken, he says. I didn't really know if I ever wanted to play music again until I realized that music was the one thing that had healed me my entire life. Uh, great interview. Um, he kind of goes into and plays acoustically, uh, some, some pieces for, uh, for, for Terry Gross. Uh, you know, she, she asked him to, you know, play a couple things and, and he even plays a song that he wrote, um, when he was, uh, you know, just kind of starting out with Nirvana and kind of about them. And, and, and that was, that was really cool to listen to. So, um, just very, very down to earth guy, very easy to kind of engage and, and lock into, you know, just the stories he tells and, and, and just the life that he's lived and, and, and giving those perspectives and, and stuff. So highly recommend the interview. Um, very well done. And, uh, uh, that is, uh, my end. Another thing, my friend, fresh air, Dave Grohl edition. What is yours? Well, as it turns out, this edition of in another thing is very Grohlerific because <laughs> my, my, and another thing is the storyteller tales of life and music by Dave Grohl. Nice. Uh, I got this for Christmas and just recently, well, let me see. I think I started reading, we're recording this on a Sunday. I think I started reading this on Friday and I wow. just finished it up this afternoon. It is a, it is not a, a, a small book. It's almost 400 pages, but it's a very quick read. Um, and I, and I think that's part of, uh, just how interesting the stories are and the fact that it's not a straight up autobiography. It's, uh, if anyone has read on writing by Stephen King, 
it's very similar to that. It's not, it's, it's kind of glimpses and stories. It's not a, I was born and blah, 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 blah. And then takes you through his life up until, you know, he writes the end at the end of the book. Um, it's, it's snapshots and it kind of jumps around in time periods. So you get a story. Wow. There we go again with the microphone. Um, gosh, I'm talking with my hands a lot more tonight. Apparently I got to put my hands. I'm putting my hands in my pocket. Like when my, I used to go into a store when I was a little kid, my mom would be like, put your hands in your pocket. Don't touch anything. Um, <laughs> see, the only way I'm going to make it to this without destroying the microphone apparently. But, uh, I like how it does that because I, I, I wasn't up for a straight up just A to Z biography. I wanted something a little bit different. Um, it's not probably, it's probably not the best biography I've ever read. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a fairly big fan of biographies. So I feel like I have a little bit of, uh, a little cachet there to talk about that, but not, not, not my, not my top five biographies, but a really fun read. And like you said, uh, Dave seems like a very down to earth guy. If anybody has any stories about how, how Dave Grohl is a jerk or whatever, just don't tell them to me. I, I, I just need at least one or like a hand, small handful of people who are on this planet who I can just be like, oh, they seem like a nice guy. Oh, do you know this? No, I don't want to know. Just don't tell me. Just please leave me a couple of illusions, please. I, I need it, especially when we're on like COVID year 18 at this point. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a fun read. It's a, it, and it, it gives you a lot of background on some of the things that have happened. Yes, he talks about the time that he broke his leg. Uh, on stage and then came back out and finished the concert with a broken leg. And I, I didn't quite understand that whole situation until I read it in the book and I won't, I won't spoil the whole thing, but I didn't realize that like when he came back out, like the, the guy who's holding his leg is the doctor and that he had basically said like, we, you know, you need to get a brace. And he's like, well, how long is that going to take? It's like, well, it's a half hour to the hustle. He's like, no, you're going to go out and you're going to hold my leg while I continue to play. And the doctor is actually a musician. Oh, wow. And so he was actually really excited to be out there. Cause he's like in this stadium, like 50,000 people and he's holding Dave's, you know, like leg to keep it from like flopping over and coming. Cause he had dislocated his ankle. Plus he'd, he like fractured his tibia or something like that. Oh, wow. And, and he's holding it there just to keep it in the joint. Like to, after he, after he popped it back in, like the ankle, I think. And he's just sitting there holding it. And he's, and he's kind of like his bopping his head along to the beat. And Dave notices it. he's like, right on. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You know? That and I'm like, cool. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so lots of great stories, lots of information about in, you know, his life and all, and, and all that. It, it, just a fun read, a really fun read. So I'd highly recommend it. Uh, especially if you are of the reading persuasion, which if you're not, uh, Good thing to pick up this year. Start reading some more. Mm-hmm. It's 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 its own reward. It is. Well, we've now come to the end of our uh, idiocy for this episode. We thank you all for tuning in, for listening. Uh, if you have not joined the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, ladies and gentlemen, what is what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's totally risk free. Ain't no money exchange. What do you want no, for nothing? Uh, biscuit. biscuit. There we go. Bow bow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, good old Elwood. Anyways, um, if you have not joined the Free Range EDC congregation, the way that you do that is subscribe to the podcast. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. No initiation, no paddling, no whatever. Whatever you do for initiation. I mean, back in the day, it was like the, the, like fraternities and stuff. Like they had the paddle. You got whacked with that, which to me was always, I'm like, really? That's what? Okay, fine. Uh, 
<laughs> you do you. Um, yeah. Seems like an awful stiff price to pay to party and drink really cheap beer, but whatevs. Um, as you can tell, I was not in a fraternity, <laughs> probably because they wouldn't have me. Um, <laughs> where the hell am I going with I this? I don't um, know. <laughs> So you need, to, you need to subscribe to the podcast because we won't make you do any of that. All you got to do is subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. We're on uh, where the hell else are iHeartRadio. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Podbean. You can find us at all of those. You can go to freerangeidc.com and kind of shortcut that whole process. All of our episodes are right there. You can subscribe right through the website as well. If you want to even go further, if you want to up the ante in your in your daily idiocy, well, then you need to follow us on the social medias because we love us on social medias. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can find us on all three of those at Free Range Idiocy. Ask for us by name. And if you have any thoughts, complaints, uh, offers of outright bribery, uh, a, a really good banana bread recipe that you just feel like you need to share with the world, send those to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com and mm-hmm. he will get right back to you. Uh, PDQ ASAP uh, forthwith right something I, we will not turn right away now. banana bread let me tell you oh my gosh dude i just made i made banana bread like over the over the holidays oh, dude is there anything better on this planet than banana bread right after it's come out of the oven i mean you let it cool for a couple minutes but when you cut into it and the steam comes out and you slather that sucker with some butter <laughs> oh lord that's a that is a slice of high society right there. You, can, you can have like $6.83 in your bank account. You have a slice of banana bread that's heavily buttered that's still warm out the oven. You feel like you are a billionaire. It is always oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just me and the fact that I grew up as a fat kid. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> oh, uh, send those to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. now it is time for me to stop flapping my gums. But I need to ask the second most important question in the history of humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being, what the hell did we learn this time? Uh, we have learned the following, my friend. Uh, we have learned uh, through fantasy football that you and I are not all that different, apparently. <laughs> Even when you, even when you're trying and when I'm not trying, Indeed. it is. Indeed. It's kind of frightening, really, when you get down to it. Congrats to Matt and uh, Uncle Todd. You will be joining us next year. You will. You know, I again, your chirpy optimism is so cute. It is. It really is. It's adorable. I tell you. We've also learned, uh, you know, this whole release it in the theater, release it on the streaming thing needs a little fine tuning. But but please, let's let's not do the piracy. Let's let's keep the uh, the content clean and let's uh, all enjoy it as we should, you know, legally and and not illegally. So please, uh, Vince, please, for the love of all that is good, stop firing people. <laughs> Just good God. Uh, excuse me, hang on, hang on a second. I've got breaking news. Yes, breaking news, breaking news from the WWE. The man they call Tim has been future endeavored by uh, <laughs> WWE. <laughs> Even though he's not an employee, they've just made sure they they wish him well in all his future endeavors. Oh, thank and you very much. I appreciate. It. <laughs> they're making sure that that he is never under contract with the company. Oh, uh, gosh. Right back to you, sir. Okay. BSG, there seems to be news, but, you know, there are secret societies now about this, apparently. Uh, movies, TV shows, we, we we don't know what's going on. It, it just seems like the article of the month comes out every six months, and uh, 
there is progress being made, so we shall see. We have also learned uh, after week one. Oh, of- hang, hang on a second. Hang, hang oh, on a second. Uh, breaking break- news. Yes. Breaking news. Uh, WWE has now uh, signed uh, Sean Waltman as a developer of talent <laughs> and a producer. Uh, he has said he's very excited to begin. Uh, wait, hang on a second. But uh, oh, breaking news! Sean Waltman has now been released <laughs> by WWE. Oh, gosh. And they wish him well in all of his future endeavors. <laughs> Back to go. you, Tim. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, just remember, folks, with BSG, zero times zero will always equal zero. And uh, finally, we, we or not finally, but we also had our, our week one of Star Wars trivia. So uh, the man they call Tim, one point ahead of Uncle Todd. We shall see if he can make a comeback next week. And we have learned uh, we are a strong buy on Dave Grohl. We are not as strong a buy on Another Life, but... Uh, as, as, Uncle there, Todd, as Uncle Todd eloquently put it, if you are looking for uh, a little sci-fi uh, getaway, there are definitely some positives to it. Uh, I know we rambled on for a while about the negatives, but it, it is a show to uh, take in and uh, just uh, do so with some grace and with some understanding that it's going to be a bumpy ride. So, uh, mm. And uh, as we like to uh, close up shop, we do want to thank you again for your support, for the downloads. Uh, and finally, be safe. Oh, wait, hang, hang on a oh, second. Do we have another Sorry. breaking news? Breaking news just coming in. Uh, WWE has, has said that if Randy Savage were still alive, that he would have been released, and they wish him well in all his future endeavors. Okay. All right. Well, be safe. Be healthy. Be kind. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Be sorry. good to Break- one another. Breaking news. Oh, breaking news. Cool. Excuse me. Excuse me. Shane McMahon has been released from the McMahon family. I think he was released last year. <laughs> no, no. He's actually been kicked out of the family. Oh, they, they, the family. Okay. He uh, will now be known as as Shane Smith. <laughs> and they wish him well in all his future endeavors. Okay. Back to you, Tim. And, and, any other uh, breaking news we should pause for before I finally wrap this uh, wrap this show up, my friend? Nothing else has come over the teletype okay. as of this. Well, as we like to close out, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And as long as there's no other breaking news, please, would you just hit the lights on the way out? This just in, this just in, uh, breaking news. Patrick has been released by Free Range Idiocy. <laughs> oh, we wish him well in none of his future endeavors. Is this, is this how you write him out of the show? Is that, is that, what, is that what this is? No, it's a joke, Patrick. <laughs> oh, there he is. Okay, good, good. It's a joke. Have you not been listening to the show? <laughs> what are you listening to? <laughs> Guy Raz, get out. <laughs> get out. No, I'm kidding about that, too. Oh, my gosh. Would you stop crying? There's no crying in podcasting. Oh, boy. <sighs> What'd you do? I'm going to start recording at home again. Now get the hell out of here!